This is Pulse Check. I'm Megan Messerly. For the rest of this week, we're taking a step back and looking at the forces that shaped healthcare in 2022 and what's ahead in 2023. In June, the Supreme Court overturned the landmark Roe v. Wade decision, throwing the future of abortion access in the U.S. into flux. Since then, roughly a quarter of states have made accessing the procedure illegal in almost all circumstances, while others have bolstered protections for doctors and patients. At the federal level, members of Congress and the Biden administration have been grappling with how to respond. I sat down with Alice Miranda Olstein to talk about the state abortion fights we followed in 2022 and what we're looking at next year. Hey, Alice, thanks for joining me. Great to be here. So both proponents and opponents of abortion rights are eager to see Congress take action on this issue, either to codify abortion rights at the federal level or to establish a national minimum standard restricting abortion. But with a divided Congress, neither of those policies is likely to pass. So what will you be watching for from Congress on this issue in 2023? Yeah, so with a Republican House and a Democratic Senate and White House, we are going to be at a bit of a stalemate. So we might see some messaging bills on both sides like we have in previous years. But I also have been hearing that Republicans in the House are interested in using some other levers besides legislation to try to extract some wins on the issue. Um, they are interested in using the appropriations process <laughs> all the way up to, you know, holding FDA funding hostage until they get, you know, some concessions related to abortion pills and their regulation. Again, not saying this will work. It's just what they're interested in doing. There's also the oversight and investigative levers. So they could hold hearings, uh, you know, demand information from companies or groups, uh, you know, drag them up there to make them answer questions. So I think we're going to see, you know, a bit of that. But in terms of big sweeping legislation, you're absolutely right. That is not happening in this Congress. Everybody tells us their real action is at the state level. Definitely. And so I know abortion rights advocates, you know, have been really pushing the Biden administration to do more on this issue. So what is the Biden administration doing or what do advocates want the Biden administration to be doing using the executive levers available? Yeah, the groups feel that the administration has not done all it could, but we are not hearing that a lot more action is forthcoming. Uh, the administration's message has really consistently been that restoring anything remotely close to Roe versus Wade requires congressional action. So we're going to continue to see pressure from advocacy groups on the administration to just sort of get more creative I've heard interest in using HIPAA, clarifying or strengthening the rules around HIPAA to say that if a doctor in, say, Texas reports a patient for uh, having had an abortion, that that is a violation of HIPAA, things like that to try to use federal existing laws and guidelines to extend protections to folks. But the administration has been very cautious. They don't want to do anything that could be struck down in court. And advocacy groups are saying, well, you, you never know until you try. And so I think we're going to continue to see that dynamic going forward. We'll be right back. And what approach are we seeing anti-abortion groups taking? 
Ooh, a host of things. So like I said, both both sides really see this as a state-level fight. And so there's going to be tons of lobbying activity, advocacy activity in the states, especially when legislatures come back into session in January. A lot of these, as you know, have, have not been in session since Roe versus Wade fell. This is their first attempt to do something in the new legal environment. And so you're going to see a lot of pressure, a lot of activity there. But yeah, on the federal level, anti-abortion groups have brought lawsuits to the FDA, also citizen petitions trying to get them to be more like revisit the rules around abortion pills and make them harder to access. You're going to see pressure on Congress to move the national 15-week ban that Lindsey Graham introduced that even (laughs) a lot of Republicans said, I am not interested in this. So you are going to see that. But again, I, I really see the main action at the state level in the coming year. Definitely. Yeah, I've been following that closely. And, you know, at least as far as, um, you know, the anti-abortion folks are concerned, you know, I'm, I know they're really pushing either for new restrictions in states that don't have them. I'm thinking states like North Carolina, where they're at 20 weeks, you know, trying to maybe move the needle to 15 or 12 or 13 or whatever they can get. Virginia abortions currently allowed until the up until the third trimester. They're trying to maybe, you know, Governor Yunkin has expressed support for a 15 week. So it'll be really interesting to see, you know, what folks are actually able to get through. And then on the flip side, you know, I, I was just at a meeting with a few Democratic state lawmakers talking about like what more can they do to really protect abortion access in their states. For instance, after the Dobbs decision came down, we saw governors issue some of these, you know, executive orders sort of protecting folks, you know, saying we're not going to extradite people, we're not going to prosecute doctors, we're not going to basically enforce these other state laws. And so now legislatures want to take that a step further and like actually put that into state law and think more about some of these protections that they could put in place for for doctors and patients, you know, both for their own and for folks who are traveling uh, from out of state. So it'll be fascinating to see, um, you know, what happens on the state legislative front in 2023. But I wanted to ask you as well, you know, we saw abortion rights proponents prevail on all six abortion-related ballot measures that came before voters this year. So what's next for that strategy? That's sort of the long game. I mean, what you mentioned about like the state legislative fights, that's the very, you know, immediate next step here. Ballot measures are a long game, but specifically after the results of 2022, abortion rights proponents really feel that this is one of the best ways to secure protections and access going forward. So in 2022, they won all six state ballot measure fights. You know, some of those were offensive, some of those were defensive. They were all sort of different, but the pro-abortion rights side prevailed in all six, including in some really red states like Kentucky and Kansas. So they are really interested in getting uh, the issue on the ballot in more states in the coming years. And so we're already seeing ballot committee groups officially formed in a few states, including Ohio and including South Dakota, but we're expecting to see them in several more. But, you know, I, I, I want folks to understand that this is a very slow, painstaking process. It's really expensive. And so, you know, you have these national groups who are advocating for this strategy trying to sort of damper the enthusiasm and make sure people know that it's not like a silver bullet. It's not, you know, an easy fix. 
the fights in 2022 were really hard won and it might not succeed everywhere. Every state is different, but they do feel that it is one of the best shots. The goal is getting an amendment to a state constitution to say there is a protection for abortion rights in that state. They feel that that is one of the best ways to restore access or maintain whatever access is left because state legislatures can change, courts can change, but it's if it's in the state constitution, they feel it's a lot more secure going forward. Definitely. And and speaking of a slow moving process, you know, we're also seeing this issue play out in state courts. Obviously, you know, the protections you were speaking of, you know, this is exactly why, you know, groups want this in the Constitution so that when courts consider these issues, you know, they have to go by what the Constitution says. Um, You know, but in the meantime, while we wait for that ballot measure process to play out, what will you be watching for um, in 2023 on the courts front? Yeah, and and you and I are both tracking this, but you know, there there are a lot of active cases right now and they do take a long time. They're all over the country and they range on so many things. I mean, you were asking about the Biden administration before. They've brought some court challenges to states that they say are violating a law called EMTALA, which is um, a patient's right to receive care in a medical emergency. And so they're saying that some of these States that have near total abortion bans with sort of vaguely worded exemptions, what's happening in practice, even though, you know, if someone is experiencing a miscarriage or has a problem with their pregnancy and needs an abortion really right away, doctors in those states are afraid to provide one because they're afraid of being prosecuted. And so the administration has brought, um, challenges in Idaho on that and is also in a court battle around Texas's law uh, related to that. But there's so many uh, ongoing state uh, court challenges um, and it has led to abortion being banned and it's restored and banned and restored and it's really gone back and forth in a lot of states, which as you can imagine is so confusing and hard to navigate for patients and providers. I mean, you have people who, even though abortion is currently uh, legal and accessible in their state, are still making appointments in other states because they don't know by the time their appointment rolls around in a few weeks, you know, if it's going to be legal or not. So if it's this hard for us to track and it's our job, just imagine what it's like for, you know, a patient trying to navigate this. Definitely, definitely. I mean, certainly uh, no shortage of policy for you and I to keep our eyes on in 2023 uh, in this arena. So thank you so much for, for taking the time to walk me through all of this. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. We will stay busy. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Annie Reese is our producer. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. Jenny Almond is the executive producer of audio at Politico. I'm Megan Musserly. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening. Pulse.